Welcome to episode 220 of Texting, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and Jason Roberts. Hey, Jason, how are you doing? Doing great. How about yourself? Doing pretty well. Today, I would like to start today's show with a new segment, uh, a listener call-in segment, where we get a call from a listener, and they ask us a question. Cool. Did, are, you're not promising them an answer that's of any value, right? I mean, Well, the, today's listener is uh, Georgie Vincent, who, is, <laughs> who I'm going to hand the mic to. All right. He's going to ask a question. <laughs> okay. And... Um, I think that uh, you'll, you'll be a good person to answer this question. Hello, Georgie. Hi, Jason. <laughs> Welcome to Dexing. <laughs> What's your question for us? So, um, Justin was wondering if I could do a segment called Ask a Techie. And this um, question pertains specifically to um, confusing email communication that I'm having with a coworker of mine. Uh-huh. I work at an office for a couple days a week, and we have this admin assistant who likes to contact me via email to like ask me a question or clear up some discrepancy about billing or like sometimes just let me know I've made a mistake somewhere. Right. And her tone, I don't know her personally. Like we just communicate by email. And right. Justin said that you guys in the past on on the podcast have talked about like nasty tones via email or like the way sometimes without seeing the person face to face and like having that body language exchange. Right. Emails can come across as like a little bit abrasive Terse. or yeah. That or kind of yeah. So this is the way that her, she takes a tone with me and usually she's kind of correcting or overcorrecting something that I've done. That's just a simple mistake, like something that has to do with it's kind of procedural. So I'm just wondering, like, what have you guys talked about in the past and how can I address this with her if I've never met her and I can only respond and by email? On the totem pole. I guess I'd say, uh, yeah, a lot of our communication is lost via email. I mean, we, we communicate a lot of information simply by the our facial expressions mm-hmm. or the tone of our voice. I mean, so it's much easier for us to have a, a conversation about a controversial or potential confrontational issue yeah. face-to-face because I can kind of see if you're getting perturbed or upset or confused just by how you're looking at me. Mm-hmm. I Less so on the phone, but the phone is way better than email. So email, you almost got nothing. I mean, you're just one step above Morse code. You know? yeah. And so that's why I put in a lot of uh, kind of smiley faces, exclamation points. In fact, most of the people we interact with who are experienced technical people, people who who spend a lot of their lives communicating yeah. via email, they seem to do that. And it almost seems silly, like kind of juvenile. But if I don't put like a, a smiley face, they're going to assume – it's like if, 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 you, if they can take it either to be a joke or to be serious, they're going to take it as being serious. Mm-hmm. So you have to say, I'm saying this with a smile, not – Totally serious. This is sort of a yeah, friendly especially comment. with the written word. Like it does seem like the the person on the receiving end is going to have a specific perception based on the words that they're reading. Like mm-hmm. what emotional state the writer was in when they wrote the email or something. So having the happy face almost clears up. Yeah, like we're friends. I, we're buddies. I yeah. mean, I, I, you know, this is it's all cool. This I'm just saying friendly, you miss this. Like no hard feelings, but I need to say the serious thing to you or yeah. let you know something, like correct something. And, and people tend to make fun of the, the emoticons yeah. they, 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 as being sort of, like I said, juvenile. Yeah. But they're very useful. And I can't remember which uh, writer, it was, a, it was a really well-known writer, it was like Edgar Allan Poe or, some, or, or someone like that. And they actually wrote about how they wished there was a way of express, there was a punctuation to express emotion mm-hmm. for that purpose, which has become the modicons right. that we use. Right. And I think they're useful. And I, I think that if you don't use them, yeah, you run the risk of, of, of creating an issue. Mm-hmm. And that's why I, I always recommend if people, like if you have anything that's any kind of dialogue that's starting to become 
even remotely confrontational, mm-hmm. quit the email, give them a call. Yeah, that was my first impulse was sort of like, I need to just pop into the office on a day when I know she's going to be there, introduce myself, say hello, remind her that I'm a real person. And I think Justin had even posted on your blog, like about that in the past where you get like kind of IT requests and things like that. So these people that are frustrated with a product just in that moment, and they just kind of air their frustration in like an IT request. And then you just want to let them know, like, I'm actually a real person here and I'm responding to you. I have a blog page about it. I send them to justinvincent.com forward slash real that says that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause otherwise you're just an abstraction. Yeah. You're not a human yeah, being. That's and what I was um, even people who are your friends, mm-hmm. if you haven't talked to them for a while and you're in your, in your, or at least your communications are, are, are primarily via email, yeah. it, you, you start becoming an abstraction a little bit. Like yeah. at least, at least it's insofar as the dialogue is concerned, that dialogue on that subject. So yeah. you need to break out. And that's, that's why it's always a really bad idea to try and negotiate or, or, or solve problems via email. I mean, via email should just be a, a step above, you know, an, an I am or something. Just minimal information. It's not, it's not, it shouldn't really be a conversation. Right. Because this could have the potential to escalate into many emails being exchanged and more miscommunication and sort of a lack of understanding in general. It's a waste. And it's a waste of time. Yeah. I mean, how much time have you already burned on this thinking about it? Probably an hour. And you probably could clear this up in about two to three minutes of a face-to-face conversation with you both with the left of the smile. If we just talked about it, then it could be completely resolved. And I do this for a living. Like I help people resolve conflicts. So it's infuriating (laughs) to me that I'm having this email, like interaction that I don't want to be having. I just want to be in a room face-to-face with this person so that she can see that like I am friendly. And I just want to be able to say like, I'm not intentionally trying to make you frustrated. I just make mistakes sometimes. Yeah, I think if you just pop in and, and, and with a smile on your face and say, hey, you know, I just want to go over a couple of these things and you're real friendly and, and kind of non-confrontational with her and then it'll probably, yeah. that'll be your best bet. I mean, there are always people who are, you're going to run into they are just difficult no matter what you do. Yeah. And she could be one of those people. Okay. Or the or she could be the all caps emailer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no, you have people like that. that, but yeah, I, I've seen people like <laughs> there that. There are people like that who aren't necessarily difficult but on email they just have no understanding of email etiquette yeah yeah there is an etiquette to it isn't there and there's an yeah and some people are really good they, they're they're succinct but they're not terse yeah they're expressive without being like over the top i mean it's always trying to reach that 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 right level i mean i i try and do that in comments as much as i can i try and do that in in uh in email responses as much as i can because yeah so much of our life is conducted this way yeah. that if you make an error, it could just escalate into a major um, issue, which is going to suck away your time and ruin your day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or more than yeah. a day. Okay. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times Justin's called me and he'd be like, really frustrated about some <laughs> email exchange or this or that. And, and, and I think probably 70% of the reason that it blew up or became an issue was because they weren't sitting together talking it over mm, across yeah. the table or, yeah. you know, over a meal or something. Yeah. So there is a limitation to technology. There are times when it's just better to get in, in real life to get yeah. in person. It's like every tool has this optimal level of, of, uh, of purpose. So like, you know, t- a tweet is a simple thing you're trying to express to a lot of people. It's not a conversation. Yeah. So when tweet, these sort of tweet dialogues happen, they're kind of, it's kind of ridiculous. You can yeah. have them. Yeah. Emails are good for a certain type of a thing. IMs, chats, good for or, or Skyping or whatever, whatever you're using is good for kind of that kind of thing. I mean, yeah, and some things are phone calls and some are from person. I think when the trick is just knowing which medium of communication to use. Okay.
Sounds good. Thank you, Jason. That's uh, hope right. that's helpful. Okay, I'm glad I asked a techie. <laughs> All right, ask a techie. Nice. Well, we kind of got a softball there, right? Because it's your wife. I'll ask so. a techie. <laughs> you kind of set me up to look good. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I thought that would be a, a bit of fun, and it that no, was a good conversation there. I like it. So, um, yeah. So how was your Christmas? Pretty good. Uh, not too much food. Um, like obviously a, a lot of food, but not too much. But well, the thing I wanted to tell you about today, talking about that whole kind of health thing, yesterday I deadlifted 105 pounds. Now that probably doesn't sound like much to you, but to me, when I first started, I guess, what, two months ago, I could do 65. So really? I can basically deadlift 40 pounds more than I could. That's a significant improvement. I right? mean, I'm like, I was very happy about that. Well, I'm really happy that you're sticking with it. Right. I mean, the progress will come. And I'm happy to hear about the progress, but I think most importantly that you've, the, the fact that you're sticking with it, that you seem to be pretty excited about it. Cause when I talk to you, it's frequently something you bring up. Yeah. Well, it's good. It's good to make a bit of progress. It's nice. And you do three days a week? Uh, I try and do three days a week, but uh, it's been difficult <laughs> over Christmas and New Year. But okay, well, three. And that's a good start. Yeah. Well, I think what was really clever is that you just that you did that. That you finally decided that you needed to get a personal trainer mm -hmm. because you had tried various, you know, diet or nutritional solutions. You had tried to. You got a. Let's see. You bought a, uh, a treadmill, right. or elliptical at one point. Yeah. You try to do stuff, and and, and it just none of this is working. So you eventually said, "All right, I need to, I need to get into a room with somebody who's just gonna." Not you always turn <laughs> up for a personal trainer, but did I, I told you that it was half hour sessions with her, right? Mm -hmm. That's what's great about it. So it's thirty five dollars per session. So I would recommend to anyone who is having the issue that I've had about weight and exercise and stuff, if you can find a local personal trainer who's good. But I mean, they have, kind of have to be a good personal trainer because I've been reading some horror stories about personal trainers recently. But as long as you can qualify, they're good, and then do a half an hour session with them. They'll be happy about that, $35 for half an hour, because usually they're going to charge like $60 to $70 an hour kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It's very low, low rate for you. It's going to be, what, $400 a month? Yeah, but you consider, you consider how important this is in terms of your overall quality of life. I mean, if, this, if you stick with this and you get yourself in better shape, you lose some weight, you improve your cardiovascular system, all these things. I mean, the benefits are, it could be immense over the next 10 to 15 years if, you, if it's something that sort of changes your general lifestyle. The other thing is that, only 15 minutes is spent actually doing any exercise. The other 15 minutes is spent doing body work mm -hmm. because my posture is basically so bad because of slouching for 10 years. She's working on all, on the top, the upper half of the body, yeah. releasing these muscles, which is having a massive impact in its own right. And then we do two to three sets of heavy weights, building strength in 15 minutes. Yeah. I'm glad she's doing that. I mean, the resistance, resistance exercises are, are one of the best things because it increases your, um, increases your muscular and uh, strength and bone density and all these kinds of things that start to deteriorate after the age of 32. But if you do them in, in some kind of succession without too much of a, of a, of a, of a rest, it'll build your cardiovascular as well. Right. So I mean, if you wait three to four minutes between sets, it's not a cardiovascular workout, but if you wait, you know, a minute or less, then it's, you keep your heart rate up really high. And so it's, 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 you're getting a lot of uh, bang for your buck or you're, you're, you're using your time very wisely. So if she only has 15, 20 minutes, She's doing the most effective thing that she can do. And since you're so, you're coming from a position of being so out of shape. Yeah, yeah. She's like, okay, what, what do we got to get like right? She's like building here? me up to the baseline. Well, the, the other thing is it, it coincides brilliantly with a blog post that was on the front page of Hacker News for a few days, number one, 
uh, which was everything you know about fitness is a lie. Uh, I've been meaning to. It's been sitting in my instant yeah. paper thing. I meant to read it. I was, it was one of the articles I kept skipping around because I was reading all these shorter articles. But I'm gonna have to read that one tonight. Basically, it, like my trainer, th- this is a hundred percent her her the way that she talks. Just like the the way that this is, the, they describe the whole thing about fitness on this blog post is exactly how she talks, exactly how she thinks. So I really, really recommend it. And it's it's interesting and. Um, it's very little to do with cardio and all to do with building strength. Yeah, you can, and you can kind of accomplish those things together. But yeah, people who just do cardio and don't do any strength workout are, uh, they're missing a huge component. I think, and I think that the length is a good to start. I think over time, as you get in better shape and as it becomes less painful, it's, it's you're, you're going to increase the, the length of the session. At some point, you're going to be like, this is not that hard. You you might you might want to go for more, but you don't have to worry about that now. But I, I can imagine at some point you're working up to that. Well, the the interesting thing about the 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 blog post, what the guy talks about is how um, he ends up working with a trainer who trains army people to go climbing and and okay. also and and things like that. And um, the guy goes there. To, for a, a test for a fitness test and works out with him for one session and he says he says okay how, how much can you deadlift and this is this is a guy who goes to the gym very very regularly who's been going to the gym very regularly for like five ten years or whatever who's does mountain climbing who's a, a fitness nut you could say mm-hmm. anyway so he does a deadlift for him and and the the trainer says okay you're about as weak as a little girl right <laughs> <laughs> he says let me show you something so they he, he then kind of wheels out some of his students including a 60 year old lady who's like deadlifting 300 pounds mm-hmm. and he's like this is how strong you should be and this is how you work up to it and this is the exact way and you just need to focus on a small number of exercises with free weights and get yourself stronger because when you work with free weights on that small number of exercises you just basically build your entire health system yeah you know what's really so, interesting about that i so i started lifting weights in college because i was running track and uh if you were a sprinter or any type of short distance runner or field athlete i mean you had a serious lifting regimen you were you, were, yeah. you had to follow it wasn't like you just made it up the coach was like this is your workout do it every day or whatever yeah. and i did it religiously and uh they were really like this core strength workouts bench press military press squats you know that type of stuff mm. and um you know, I didn't spend a lot of time in the in the gym. Hmm. I spent 30, 40 minutes, but I I increased my strength from I could bench press one hundred thirty five maybe once to benching three hundred pounds or something like that. Well, and and that was just doing bench press. And that was funny. Later on, you know, I would lift weights and with some buddies of mine who were really good athletes and really fit, you know, weightlifters, and they would go in and I would do like seven different exercises for their chest alone like these incline and decline and and straight bench and you know dumbbells and and um pulleys and all that stuff and i'm just like i would come in and do three sets of five <laughs> three sets of three reps and i'd be like well uh see you guys later right, i'm done no, but that's exactly what it says <laughs> but, but i was like i was way way stronger than they were yeah they would i would do one exercise for my chest i'd do it in seven eight minutes and i was done and they would be in there for 45 minutes and i was probably 30% stronger than these guys, 40% stronger than these Right, guys. and so the, so I guess it must have been that you were timing it exactly right because uh, I'm obviously I can't remember the article word for word, but it's something along the lines of you can train for strength, you can train for uh, f- like, I don't know, if you're canoeing or something and you need a, like a fast 
pull quick twitch, yeah. yeah like a, like a, a power or something power like that. Alert, power and, yeah. and then the other one is for endurance mm-hmm. right uh, so basically the first one training for strength the cycle of the muscles kind of tearing down and rebuilding themselves up is something like a two-day cycle for the next one it's something like a five-day cycle and for the next one it's something like a week and a half cycle yeah the, like the power stuff yeah i would take five days off between my bench because right. because I, I couldn't my 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 if i do squats or any of those things i would need four to five days to recover because when you do three sets of three it would just tear the muscles so right much that if i if i went two days later i would so i'd be in pain i could still yeah, feel my be muscles in pain, injured. right yeah whereas if i was doing like these typical sets of 12 or whatever i could do it every other day or something yeah. but yeah it, it, it would have huge impacts you do less you more effect it'd be more effective less time in the gym and it's actually more fun i mean melody says she does usually 15 minute sessions for herself three times a week there you go like and well, she hey, man, is if the formula seriously works, strong well if the formula works for her man <laughs> and you can get away with doing 35 minutes a day i just stick with this <laughs> but, stick with this trainer. But, but i mean that's awesome there is supposed to be the the 20 20 to 30 minutes of cardio a day as well but that's like a different thing and then try and do that by doing something that you enjoy you know mm-hmm. whether it's playing tennis or walking or just something that not going into the gym and staying on a treadmill kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I think, well, for me, yeah, it's like soccer and basketball. I, right. Much, exactly. But I, I think for you, you'll probably want to start doing that at some point. But I think what happens is you, once you see some serious results, you're going to get a little more excited about it. Like mm. you're going to want to accelerate it. And yeah, as we've seen, like in startups and stuff, once you see a little bit, once you see some momentum, all, you just, you just get really, ex- you just get re- really excited. You can't stop thinking about it, you know? And, uh, well, right now you're just like, oh, I don't want to, I, I don't want to do it. Right. Mm. So you'll eventually might do a little bit. Not that I don't, I, I don't mind going into, to see Melody. I mean, that's, yeah. that's fine. Yeah. You know, I know, I know that it doesn't last, the, to be honest, the worst thing about it is the body work. It hurts so much. Mm-hmm. She's like yanking my muscles apart. Well, that's cool, man. Well, we should probably switch the subject. I don't want to <laughs> sure, sure. people out on the... Sure. Well, no, but don't forget that this episode is going to be going out on pretty much New Year's Day, so okay. it's, it's on topic. Okay, cool. <laughs> cool. So how was your Christmas? Good. Like anything I said, pretty special? good. There's nothing... Nothing to talk nothing about? Nothing particularly amazing anything to talk Anything good? About. Do you any, get any uh, new toys? Any technology of note? Not really. All right, so I bought Sandy a... Uh, one of the things I bought, I bought her... An, I, I mean, I... <laughs> I, I bought her a nice watch. So I got her something pretty. And then I got her a Galaxy tablet. Something cool. Oh, right. The, the, these ones. The Galaxy tablet, too. I got the, the bigger one. Than okay. Whatever yeah. the full size one. Cool. Is. And um, I mean, I got it partially was for her because I, I thought that, I mean, I've, I've, the, I've found the iPad to be incredibly fun and useful and cool device to have. And I, and she never gets to use mine because either if I, if the kids aren't using it, I'm using it. Yeah. So I figured I'd give it to her. But I said I thought also that it would be useful um, to have two for the kids because the kids are always fighting over the iPad. Mm-hmm. It's it's really annoying. So and uh, so that in a sense that is it a gift to her. <laughs> the kids not fighting over stuff. Yeah. Is a is a definitely a gift. So that was pretty cool. And. Um, I'm trying to think what else I got. Any Christmas stuff. So that was it. And I got Col- we got Colby this like called this this Lego Technic supercar. It was like a like a hundred. It was twelve hundred and eighty two pieces. Lego pieces. Wow. It it the it is immense. It was just incredible. It looked like a Dodge Viper kind of thing. <laughs> it's immense. It had all of these uh, you know uh, independent suspension stuff. He built the thing in like a day and a half. It was just done. 
Wow. I was just like, well, what, what are you going to do now? Well, what he's going to do is he's going to meld it with some of his other ones and build a kind of hybrid car. Yeah, well, no, he's, re- he's built some of these things that he just kind of freestyles on. So he builds it. And then after that, he's like, all right, so I'm going to do this stuff. So he goes on YouTube and watches videos of different types of advanced Lego constructions, different types of gear systems or differentials or whatever. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. Um, cool. Yeah, so we went, uh, we went to the uh, in-laws in Vegas. They live at the, sort of the very northern tip of Las Vegas, and which is only about 30 minutes away from the uh, ski slopes. So we took the kids skiing and snowboarding. Now, so did all three kids go snowboarding? For the first time we took them. We, up till now, we've left the girls yeah. with uh, her mom because they're four and six. So last year, three and five is just too young. And so we took them and uh, they skied. They had their first I was going to say, I always think that the, the kids should start skiing and then snowboard because skiing's easier to start. Oh, yeah, yeah. Snowboarding is, is really hard. And you got to really want to learn it because you're going to suffer for a couple of days. Yeah. Um, and Colby did snowboarding. This is his second year of snowboarding. He skied the first two years ago so he he was in snowboarding school the kids were in ski school and then sandy and i sandy skis and i snowboard so we you know we went and what did he what did colby think about the snowboarding yeah he loves it yeah and the uh the, he had he's in a group of three or four kids with an instructor and the instructor was like yeah he got the kamikaze award he was just <laughs> the kamikaze the kamikaze yeah he's just crazy but um but does he does he have like that's his second time snowboarding or first time second time so does he have any kind of control uh, yeah, he can go down the bunny slope, which is like the length of maybe it's a hun- couple hundred yards. Can he stop? He can go down, fall down maybe three times. But can he, st- can he like stop on purpose or is he yeah, falling down Yeah, sometimes he'll fall down, sometimes he won't. I mean, he's just getting there. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. I mean, he's eight and it's his second day doing it, so it's not. But, you know, it's kind of, we're kind of investing in it so that they'll be good so that we can all go skiing and snowboarding and everybody's competent and everybody can do it. So for those who haven't been skiing or snowboarding before, the, the thing about skiing, I mean, I personally prefer skiing a lot. And the thing about skiing is your, your natural position is to stop when you, when you first begin to ski. It's the snowplow position. And actually, it's harder to move in many ways than it is to stop, mm-hmm. which makes you feel a lot more confident about beginning mm-hmm. to do stuff on snow. That's why it's great for kids. Mm-hmm. That's why it's great for anyone starting. I would, if, if you want to go skiing for the, or go on a, a snow holiday for the first time, I would totally recommend skiing before you start snowboarding. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because snowboarding, you are going to fall over, you are going to hurt yourself, and you are going to probably not like it. Like, it really takes at least a week before you can even do anything. I really was pushing Sandy to become a snowboarder when we first uh, were dating or getting married. I came right early in our relationship. And we went a, two or three times. I think on the second or third time, she was literally lying at the bottom of the slope with tears in her eyes. And she's like, can I stop now? <laughs> I was like, all right, you know. I had these visions of the of my wife as a snowboarder chick, you know, because the snowboarder chicks always look really kind of cute and cool. And so I was like, oh, that'd be kind of fun if she she could snowboard as well. But she's a good skier, so. But there's, some, I, there's I, something I else about skiing, right? Which is that skiing's easier to start, but it's harder to master. So snowboarding is harder to start, but it's easier to master. So with skiing, there's a lot of different levels that you can go. You can basically move to parallel skiing Mm -hmm. which is really difficult to Mm -hmm. be a parallel skier Mm -hmm. and that takes a lot of years practice Mm -hmm. and when you see a parallel skier versus a snowboarder they look kind of similar but the parallel skier has a huge amount of skill to have got to that level and i'm not saying that snowboarders don't have a lot of skill Mm -hmm. but it's kind of like guitar it's like really easy to pick it up and play a few chords but to start playing a really good you know guitar solos and stuff is pretty hard right so it's, it's it's like a bit like that yeah, I remember the first, um, in terms of starting, I remember uh, with, uh, 
when I was first getting into it and I was at the rental shop, you know, putting on getting my snowboard and someone came up to the, the rental desk and says, and asked the, the guy there, he's like, should I, should I rent skis or snowboard? And he's like, well, do you want to have fun today or do you want to have fun in the long term? And he's like, if you want to have fun today, I'd go ski because you can pick it up and you can kind of snowplow and have fun. If you want to have fun snowboarding, you know, with well, long term to snowboard, but it's going to take a few, a few days of suffering, you know, before you're going to be good enough to have fun. Cause it, it was not fun. The first two, three days sucked. I mean, I just spent my, and you know, it's not <laughs> like I had skateboarded, I had done stuff. I, it's not like I was unfamiliar with that kind of a thing, but it's really hard to get good at. Although if you're a good surfer, it's then, then just do snowboarding. Because yeah. it's pretty similar, yeah. Anyway, what well, the thing was cool is that the um, is that the uh, ski Las Vegas resort thing, or not resort, but the slopes, is is like 20, 30 minutes from their house. Is that like a fake slope or no, is that real no, snow? It's good. I mean, it's not it's not mammoth or aspen, but I mean, it's like um, it's like the, it's real. I'm this is up in the mountains. They have yeah. mountains right up there. Oh yeah, you know, and uh, it's like the equivalent of like um, mountain high or something here in LA. I mean, it's good. Nice. You know, it's plenty good for me. I mean, good. I mean, I'm not an expert. I'm, you know, I'm a, you know, competent snowboarder. And it's fine for me. In fact, the first time down, I was like kind of exhausted because you work so much harder to to do the basic maneuvers. You know, you're over yeah. you're overcompensating because you don't want to do a face plant. <laughs> you know, we should go sometime. I want to take Georgie. She's she hasn't ever skied or snowboarded or anything, and I'd love to take her in. Well, yeah, we can go up to Mountain High. It's 45 minutes from here. We can go. We have Night King, so we could go sometime even during the week. We've gone like a Thursday night or for Wednesday should, night. Oh, I'd totally love to do that. Go for three or four hours. Don't make it. Doesn't have to be a big deal. Have to go for three or four can hours. Can they rent? Can they rent skis to you sure. there and then? Yeah. Oh, nice. Well, in fact, we rent. Sandy's been renting skis, but it took an hour of time to get all her skis rented oh, on. And buying? I said, "That's it." I was like, "I'm over it. We're not." I said, "I don't care. We're buying skis. I'm not. I'm not going through this again." What about snowboarding? Are you going to buy? Oh, a I have a. I've had a snowboard for. Okay. A number of years. You know, the thing is, my snowboard, I'm the only one who has this kind of snowboard. I have click-ins, not the not the straps. Oh, yeah. So I can just step on it, and it clicks in. That's safer, isn't it's, it? I don't know. I, I don't know. They, when I got my snowboard in 1995 or six. <laughs> That's probably <laughs> the only way they had them. Back in the 40s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, they were pretty new back then. And, and I think click-ins were this new you know, thing that they were experimenting, but it's kind of like Betamax versus VHS. Right. The world went beta, it went VHS, but I still had a Betamax. So I go up there and I'm like, why does it, and it, nobody have these because I, the, all the snowboarders are sitting on their butt for two to three minutes, strapping on their snowboard. I just get off the ski lift, you know, and then click my one foot in and then I'm done. I'm gone. And I always, I, I've asked an, a, a few of the people who like work at the pro shops at, uh, at the, at uh, ski Las Vegas and, and I think at Mount High one time, I'm like, why don't, I said, do you ever see these around? She's like, you know, I think I saw one once before or twice, but I haven't seen those in a long, long time. And I'm like, why is that? Is there, and nobody had a good answer. I would say probably the biggest reason is because it's painful to put the boots. I mean, it's more hassle to get the boots on because they're proper boots. Whereas don't get snowboarders just use general kind of moon boots kind of thing. That might be true. The, the boots are a pain in the butt to get on. Yeah. So you just, you just slip into the boots. That, yeah. I think that's the thing. So that's a good point. Yeah. Anyway. So yeah, we'll go, uh, go snowboarding skiing. All right. So. Let's move on. Next subject. We are actually going to talk about tech, or are we just going to... I don't know. Do you have anything to talk about? Oh, I got plenty of stuff. First thing I, I, I keep reminding myself is I'm going to do... I'm doing my best to talk more slowly. <laughs> I, oh, yeah. li I was listening to the last show, making notes, and I was like, man... The guy has got to like, slow down. I, I was talking so fast, I was like tripping over my own tongue. And, yeah, and that, I, that does something. And I'm me. 
was, I was. You still, can't even hear yourself. Like, I don't. I don't even know what the hell I'm talking about. I'm talking so fast, but it's difficult. I mean, I'm actually having. You're mentally doing that right myself now. Not to talk faster. So the st- the stuff is coming out of your brain so fast, and your mouth is just tripping over it. Well, I misspeak. You know, I say things incorrectly, or I'll, I'll say the reverse thing accidentally. I will not finish my initial statement. I, I'll cut off and start a new sentence. I'll kind of like just, it's like you're driving on a road and you just, just to me, they yeah. go off in someone's driveway or something, you know, and. Uh, no, I mean, look, I uh, do exactly the same thing. And I, I've even. No, been, you don't. You speak really well. You're very paced. You, you, you think about what you're going to say before you say really? it. Really? I'm not so sure that Georgie would agree with that. Uh, she, no, she's, she's going, no. Well, then she's looking at me and she's like, <laughs> well, no, I mean, I, I've, I have noticed even over the last few days that people keep on saying, what, what, what do you, what, what did you say? And I'm like, You're are, catching are my all disease? these people like thick? Do they not understand me or is it me? So I, I think maybe we have, yeah. but anyway, you, I, I you're probably a, a bit worse. I, oh yeah, but I'm a lot worse than you. I all speak right. so fast. Well, my, the, I guess as I've said numerous times in the show, the only one I've met who speaks faster than me is my sister, Natalie, who speaks breathing in and out. <laughs> if you can imagine. What we should do is have her, have her do a call and get her on the show. Just talk to her for a couple minutes and yeah. people can hear her. Yeah. And they'll, they'll go, wow. Jason's <laughs> really slow. Lying. He's not He's lying. not that bad. Jason has a, yeah, has a difficulty getting his words out. So, um, yeah, I got a bunch of stuff to talk about. Um, one thing I was, uh, oh, you know, I'll, I'll start with this. So I, um, I have a, uh, a little, uh, segment called where in the world is CJ? Nice. <laughs> so for any of our listeners who don't recall, CJ was our, uh, helped us help Justin and I with catalyst. He was a listener of the show. I think, I think he's like 21, 22. Um, he, I think he was at junior college doing some computer science stuff and also had like a, do you have like a window iPhone repair business that he was yeah, inside? Yeah, I cracked. I cracked. And uh, he decided to go up to move to, up to San Francisco and take these, this three month, six days a week, 12 hours a day developer boot camp called Catalyst Class. Now, how, how many months, weeks has he been doing? About a now? month in. He's about a month in. Okay, well, wow. I'd love to know how he's getting on. Yeah, so I emailed him last night and I said, hey, so how about an update? You know, I'm dying to hear... What do you think of it? You know, because especially since you and I spent so much time debating on whether something like that would work. Mm -hmm. You were being more the skeptic, me more the believer. I'm a little bit more skeptical, but the only part that I'm like where I agree with you is if people work on something like that for three months and then they move into a supportive role where they're part of a team. I think that's totally. Yeah, yeah, that's that's perfectly fine. But if they do something like that for three months and expect to go out on their own as a contractor and start building websites for other people and designing them and architecting them, they're probably going to make some pretty messy stuff. Yeah. See, I don't see, I, I think that's an assumption in your part that isn't true. I don't think anyone is claiming that or claiming anyone what? is thinking that claiming what that, that they're expecting to go be independent. independent yeah, well, that's fine. So they're that, all, that, go, they're all going to get jobs at in, mostly startups. Will they be part of a team of developers who have, more experienced in themselves. In that case, I think that's fine. Like, yeah. I, I think it's yeah. a perfect thing to like someone who might come out of school ha- either having some programming experience, maybe, maybe they were, or even being a computer science undergraduate, but you know, they've taken some classes in Lisp and Python and data structures, but they've never really built, used a, f- a, d- a full professional level developer stack and developed the kinds of things that are, are used in the real world. So anyway, so he said, CJ said that it was great. He said, he said, I said, well, is it, 
is it what you is it everything you had hoped it would be? And he's like, yeah, and more. So it's just great. Awesome. Really, I bet really the networking good. part of it's huge. Like just making friends in the in the scene. Yeah, well, I guess yeah. I'm, I'm sure he's making a lot of friends there. And he said that um, yeah, you know they they go through um, all of these different things. Have done all of like the you know JavaScript stuff, prototypal inheritance, and you know they spent all the time early on doing like iterations and things. And they and they built like they said they rebuilt like 25 of the functions in underscore library and underscore library. Oh, wow. And uh, they've been using Git since day one. And they did, um, they're starting Node. Now next week is, is going to be Node. And they've done, they did Ajax and JSON. And they're, they're going through all these kinds of things. You're making me want to go on this course. Yeah, and they're going to spend a week on Rails. That's cool. Um, and they're going to start doing databases too soon with like, I think they're going to do Mongo. And I, I, I'm assuming they're going to do some... Um, relational stuff but he, he's not sure about that and uh the way it's going to work is i think in the last month they're bringing in they're going to start the the next class three-month class a month in so overlap for a month and so i think maybe during that last month is when this class is going to be doing their personal project their independent projects he says some people have already started on them but they'll be working on their project but they're also mentoring and teaching the new kids the stuff that they learn and i say kids meaning People in so their twenties probably. Remind me what the cost is. It's five grand a month for three months, is it? Yeah, it's fifteen grand, give or take. Yeah, and uh, for three months. But but there's some kind of deal like you give the last five grand when you get placed in a job or something, something like that. Something like, and I don't know about that, but they but they will allow you to postpone your pay your your like paying it. They give you kind of a, a loan or you know, mm, so people good. can get a job. So I mean, most of the people are probably again. I'm, I'm probably all of them will get placed. They're going to have like a kind of equivalent of like a demo day, you know, like yeah. Y or demo day, except they bring in like, you know, the various companies. And he named a couple like, you know, OKCupid and a couple others. I can I, I don't remember the names, but mm. I'll probably tell Curtis, who's the VP over of engineering at Uber. And, you know, that's great. So did he say anything else about any specifics? Well, he has a um, I'll, I'll put a link up to his blog. He said he listed all the things that he's been learning. Mm-hmm. OK, um, cool. But. It sounds pretty comprehensive. It sounds like it's a really good. It's like a finishing school. <laughs> or yeah. almost, I mean, maybe it's not a finishing school. It's more than a finishing school, but it's just it's getting it's getting people to the point where they can be productive and effective with professional level development tools huh. that they can walk into some startup and they they basically get it. Now they're not going to be a pro. They're not going to have reams of code where they say, "Oh yeah, I'll just cut and paste." Or, oh yeah, I did it like this. They're going to know. They're going to understand what you're talking about. They're going to be able to figure it out. They're going to muscle through stuff. Yeah, they're going to have but like they could they they would have had enough surface area mm-hmm. on the tech that when you're talking to them and getting them to do tasks, they're not going to be they're not going to be lost. And then they they may even be able to do some good stuff, but if they're guided by a team, then they're going to do some great stuff. Yeah. So like when I was up in um and I gave a talk to them was it like a few weeks ago when I when the uh, Sean Dross who's the um one of the founders of of Catalyst Class invited me to give a talk. I spent the first half talking about Uber and how the how we built the infrastructure and everything. And uh, you know it was interesting because like I I was trying to talk simply about some of the things but you know i had to keep looking at sean like do, do they understand what we're talking about and he sometimes he sometimes he'd have to stop me and say okay what jason is referring to is this we'll get to this next week yeah right <laughs> you yeah. know so yeah we're gonna get to those things but you know because you know the Uber infrastructure is not simple no it's not true so when you're talking when you're talking about all these things you start talking about caching systems even or right i mean they're like what what, what does he mean by that you know <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know and uh not that you can't explain it, but, you know, people aren't always familiar with it. But anyway. Ooh, well, that's great. 
that's really good. So that was cool. So um, I, I asked him to next time he's down here to stop by a catalyst class of ours, our catalyst class, because the kids have asked about him in America. One of the uh, one of our girls in the class is missing him. She's actually very upset that CJ's gone. Well, I may potentially have a new um, a new CJ, a new Santa's little helper. Oh yeah, for us. Uh, Manny, who works in Uber Media, um, he is going to, uh, I mean, from from conversations so far that we've had mm-hmm. with a few beers. <laughs> <laughs> sure, I'll do it. Yeah, yeah we'll see. Uh, he's going he's gonna to come into the uh, session that we have on the 8th. Okay. And just have a look around. He's not really a programmer, but he, he kind of would like to be. So he, he could use it to learn as well himself. Yeah, why not? Well, a lot of times you just need as an adult kind of sitting there with them, keeping yeah. kids focused and on task and paying attention. He used to be a teacher. That would help. So he's, he's had, he's had I think, four or five years in the classroom teaching experience. Yeah, well, that would be helpful. So that would be pretty cool. So watch this space. Yeah, well, my basic philosophy is I don't really want to turn people away. I don't want to turn kids away. And if someone wants to help, I'm not going to turn them away either. Right. We, can, we, can, we can use the help. And, and so that would be great. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we, another interesting thing that happened with uh, Catalyst, since we're kind of, I guess might as well segue into that. Catalyst, the Catalyst, Academy. The Academy or the other one? Us, our Catalyst. Uh, our, our, our Catalyst, Catalyst. okay, yeah. So um, I won't use the name um, specifically because, you know, it's, you know, I, I, yeah, it's probably better not to. But the son or grandson, I won't specify, of a famous, world-famous scientist mathematician wants to join Catalyst. A very famous very famous. <laughs> yeah. So that, that was pretty cool. It was a, w- one of the um, uh, moms of uh, a couple of the kids that are in, of two brothers that are in the class. She emailed me and she's like, hey, you know, so-and-so um, wants to be in your class. Good friend of our sons wants to be in your class. Ian's wants to be in the class. His mom is X. Yeah. <laughs> she CC'd on this. And so I emailed her and I said, yeah, we'd love to have him, you know, hear the basics and, um, you know, feel free to show up and see if it's a fit. And they're real excited about doing it. So, well, you better have that point system ready for that. Are you gonna I'm actually going to start on that in like the next day or two. I got like a week, but I, you know, over a week to do it, but I'm just, yeah. If you don't, okay. If you don't have that point system done, I'm actually just not going to turn up to any more Catalyst sessions. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I might not turn up. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 that, all that Mongo stuff on AppFog was a nightmare because for some reason it, we could not get a Mongo update statement to work. I mean, mm-hmm. I tried everything. I mean, guy own, I've had enough experience to Mongo to make it work. I've tried five or six different things. I was on Stack Overflow going, okay, am I doing something stupid here? I mean, I've done this before. And it wasn't working. And Guyon, who's he built the Mongo wrapper for Uber, he was like, I don't know. We we sat there for two hours, and it's like he's like, I don't, I don't know. Anyway, so if I have to move this to a completely different platform or whatever, I will. I'm I'm just kind of over it. I'm tired of screwing around with this. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to write a very simple script, trying to create an element, inserting it, and then updating it, and then showing it not working, and send it to their customer support and say, you try this. I've tried this. This is the simple script. This is uh, insert foo. You know, you know what, uh, you know, and in bar collection doesn't work. But like, how are you going to do that within the next eight days? Well, that's like a, you know, half hour thing. Just write a, like a 20 line script. Yeah, no, but waiting for them. Well, uh, no, I, I, they have like online supports pretty, pretty responsive. Oh, okay. So I might just write that like tonight, send that into them. Oh yeah. Do, and then if do. they don't get back to me tomorrow, I mean, it'd be easier for me if AppFog would just help me resolve this issue and I could get on with it than me having to move this Node.js application to some other Node platform. And I, I don't want to like have to get a VPS and set all that up because that's a whole other nightmare. Yeah. And I really need to be Node for uh, other technical reasons. Um, but Okay, cool. Yeah. Well. But the other thing that I really 
really want to build for Catalyst is a, a sort of a um, skill builder, uh, what I call like a, 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 a multiple choice questions, question answer system. Um, because it'd be just how like I remember, you saw how I created like 30 challenges really quickly. Mm-hmm. I just outlined it in JSON. And that's just for so that it would say write a function that does this or write something that prints this. And then I can write a, like a, an evaluator to see if to see if what they wrote is actually that true or false. And I said, you know, it'd be really easy. It would be easy to write questions and answers where it says, OK, let's say we want them to learn about iterate iterators or something, loops or functions or whatever and say and I could write 20 or 30 questions in, you know, probably an hour that says that about is function. What's wrong with this statement? What is this function going to return? What's, you know, this, if you want to return, you know, if the input's this, what is this, you know, whatever. Right. Just be, so just so that they can get some practice okay. going over stuff. But the other thing is that we had said that we were going to kind of move away from programming and we were going to start moving to the Mindstorm or to other stuff. But so far the Mindstorm stuff has really not worked. And okay. I wanted to talk about that, like why that's been such a Hames and how we can make that better. Such a what? Hames. What's a Hames? It's a Scottish way of saying a mess. A mess. <laughs> right. Well, no, it's just that I didn't have enough time to work through this stuff. Like what, what, would, what would it look like if it worked well with Mindstorm? I, I think what we need to do, yeah. Okay, so one thing I figured out, I got working when right. I was at the in-laws uh, a couple of days ago, was a um, using a programming language called not exactly C, C, NXC is how they, like dot NXC, (laughs) not exactly C. And it looks, it actually looks like a hybrid between C and JavaScript. It actually like, it looks like JavaScript if you, instead of saying var, you had like int or float kind of things. You don't, they don't have any pointers. You have a string and array objects that look like JavaScript string and arrays. It's very simple. It looks very much like JavaScript. And we can actually write it in a text editor and all you do is drag and drop the file onto a, an icon and it shoots it over to the machine and runs it. Yeah, I know, I, I know that. So you've worked out how to do that. But mm-hmm. what's been good about the coder, the Catalyst coder so far is we have the lessons going 1 through 30. The Mindstorm stuff, we just we don't have any kind of context. Curriculum. We don't, we, don't, we don't have a curriculum. So are, right. are we going to create a curriculum? I mean, let me yes. just say, are you going to create, create a curriculum? curriculum? Right? Yeah. Because if, if we just plug in Mindstorms, nothing's going to happen. Like, no. we're not going to go anywhere. No, it's, it's, it's interesting you say that. And, and I agree. Um, you need to have a plan and you need to have some kind of a structure for the kids. You, it's, it's good to let the kids play, but it's kind of within a parameterized play. Mm-hmm. Like, try and do this. Or here's our, what you're trying to do. If you just... Set kids. It's like when you go out and say, "All right, guys, we're going to play dodgeball. Who's right. the, you're on this team? You're on that team. You know, this is how the bot, these are the rules." But if you just said kids just go run around. I mean, they can have fun too, but it's not nearly as productive than if you just kind of keep them. You set some parameters to the play. So we're right. going to. So right, the programming it's been much easier for us to set the parameters, especially if we come in prepared. And I think we can do the same thing with Mindstorms. See, I'm trying to slow my words down now. Now, how are you going to do that? <laughs> are you going to do that? Are you going to present it through the Catalyst Coder system? Yeah, I think uh, that's what I'm thinking about doing. I think that what you ultimately have to do, though, because the Catalyst Coder or the Catalyst IDE is an in-browser editor. But you have to save a file to the local file system because you have to drag and drop it onto an icon that sh- that then sends it through a USB connection to the uh, the Mindstorm brick. Okay, so you're now, talk- you're now talking about fully integrating Mindstorm with the Catalyst editor. Okay, I was talking about something different, but that's okay. What were you thinking? What were we talking about? I was just thinking, just have like a list of things that we're going to do on the Mindstorm and just 
it's accessible via the Catalyst dashboard, as it were. So Catalyst dashboard, where you select console, or at the moment you select console, and that means you type. You can have Mindstorm. You could have like a uh, Mindstorm. A Mindstorm option, oh, and then it's like exercise one, and that's just basically the first thing that we're going to do. It's not integrated in any way with Mindstorm. It's just like we need to build a Mindstorm and make it go forwards and backwards. Exercise that's, two. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. No, we need that. We need that first. We have to have a plan. Yay! For a plan, right? <laughs> yeah. Now we have to have a plan. Um, and I think, I think what I'm going to try and do is using that Q and A system that I'm talking about, mm-hmm. um, where where, you can, where it's very easy for us to define uh, a question, a series of answers, which one is right, and an explanation. Mm-hmm. And you could just write that up, and you could define that in JSON and be like. Cut paste, you know, what's this? You could okay. just, you could, you'd be watching TV and create like 15 of them. 15 questions. We don't really need answers with the Mindstorm stuff though. It's just basically instructional. Well, we, what you could do is both, right? Here's a, like you'd have like a series of screens, like almost like a screen. Screen, information. You write three or four panels of how it works. Or here's a, here's a, here's a, here's some pieces, some information. You know, we want them to learn. This is how, this is how you write a function in Mindstorm. It's actually called a task. <laughs> And then have them ask a few, answer a few questions about it. Next, you could do it like that if they mm-hmm. want information. But the Q, but having a Q and A system so they they have a little practice and reinforcement and just getting the basic syntax. Well, right. When do you want to build that by? Well, we'll see how it goes. I mean, if I don't have it ready, we're not going to do it. I'm not going to bring the mindstorms in just to like have them there. And we're not really doing anything with them. So if we spend, if if for whatever reason. I don't have it ready. We'll just put it off a week or two. So we'll do points. So yeah, you'll get points. points ready for the eighth, and then we'll just continue to consolidate what they've learned. Yes, that's that's the most important thing. I think. Can we then move to getting them homework so that they can practice? That's something? that's what the Q and A system slash point system is all about. So the so okay. the, key, the point system will have both, you know, <laughs> so we'll have both like um, you write a challenge, a, a coding challenge, like write yeah. a function that does this. That's a coding challenge, and then you have a I don't know what the term. What maybe we'll call it a skill builder or something, which would be like twenty questions. Or 10 questions about functions and they have to go through it and you know maybe it has like 30 different variations and they have to go through it until they get them all right that's good you and know. so it's not like they're programming it's just like multiple answer choice yeah that's good they just get they just, need just consolidate pra- it yeah practice consolidating the syntax what's wrong with this it doesn't have a semicolon yeah got it good right. i like it that's why, good. why why is this function work you don't have a closing bracket it's an open bracket they just need to get their eyes trained people are definitely thinking Oh, there are so many different solutions to that, like that you can just buy. <laughs> I'm sure they're thinking. They just, it. But just we want to plug it Every in. time I see, nothing works. Like the you think, you, everybody what? throws me. Why don't you try Scratch? Why don't you try, um, you know, uh, Hackity Hack? Why don't you try Root for Kids? Because they all kind of suck. Right. I've tried them all. I've looked at everything. I have looked at everything. <laughs> everything. I've had everyone. Okay, that but now I'm talking about the question like and answer system, right? But <laughs> sure. I mean, it's like, but you know. I just want to get this stuff integrated in just the right way. Okay. All right. And I think, I think we can make it work really nicely, but that's what I'm excited about. And I just feel like we're getting, I, every week it seems I'm getting someone else email me. One of the parents email say, Hey, I have another kid who wants to join. And that's a pretty quick growth with only eight or 10 kids. Mm-hmm. And if we did any marketing, any just, uh, just advertising, say, hey, we're doing this. Going to the schools and say, hey, we have this club. We get a lot of you people. You could easily have 40 to 50. Um, obviously, we don't have the infrastructure yet to have 40 to 50. We didn't have a plan to get the infrastructure. But if, if we knew that we were ballpark close to saying we're going to have 100 to 200 kids paying closer to 100 bucks a month as opposed to 40 bucks a month, then all of a sudden, and then we, ha- we have it like four days a week, two sessions a day, different people can come at different times and stuff like that. 
like you could do something real. And so we could apply for a grant and all these kinds of things. So what I'm thinking is we use what we're doing now as it's just a prototype. What we're doing is a prototype. We're making lots of mistakes. We're fumbling around. We're learning. We're coming. We're building our curriculum. We're building our formula. We're building our tools. But as we get it right, then we can say, okay, now we're ready to go to scale, at least the scale of having a lot more kids, not scale to go global or anything like that. But like, how do we do this mm. on a bigger scale? Can we bring in guys like CJ and say, hey, CJ, can you do, can you commit for the next three months to doing the, the Thursday class? Mm. The, the or the level two class yeah or whatever we get like six or seven or eight people who want to do it and we pay them you know we can't pay them a lot it's kind of like how many you might pay someone who coaches a soccer team or something maybe it's you know? maybe it's worthwhile to focus on coding a little bit yeah but, i think we focus on coding for the most part I, because I'm, if you if you start trying to bring physics and math into it it's like then that's just exponentially harder for us to organize and manage. No, I, I want to do all that, but I think for right now, it's just programming. And ro robots is auxiliary. Like we, th that's enough for the day's work. I, I ultimately, for me, this is ultimately, I think w what I really am trying to do was two things. On the small scale, I'm just trying to do something with my son. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm trying to give him something that he can't get, that he wants. Mm -hmm. And I like being able to help those other kids too. And I like, Doing this is fun. It's exhausting, but it's also fun and exciting, right? <laughs> but the hardest two hours of our week. That's right. But the dream of it is that it's what I would refer to as the polymath project. How do we create hundreds of polymaths? People coming out of high school who can compete with people who are several years in their college education in programming, uh, computer science, robots, electronics. Uh, you know, all these kind of maybe even like applied math, machine learning, like they've done this. If I've built programs, I've done this. I've written simulation environments. They've done all this amazing stuff. So they are just, they're, they are primed to be impact players. I'm not just, we're not just exposing kids to, to say, oh, isn't programming fun? Maybe you should think about studying this in college. That's bullshit. Like I, that's just a waste of my time. That's not good enough. I'm like, how do we create a group of kids that they're going to go into the university and then we're going to look 10 years down the line and there will be these people who did amazing things all over the country in different areas. And like that person was catalyst. That person was catalyst. That person was catalyst. Like, you why, why can I hear like a brass, like a brass <laughs> band playing in the background? And then the, the punchline is, and it's going to be Jason's America. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. You know, it's got to go big, go big or go home, I guess. I'm, well, I mean, it's like it, you want to, you want you 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 like uh you like in um X Men you're like Xavier yeah right that's right <laughs> what was his name Z I can't Z uh, yeah um Magneto no no not no Magneto is, is Nemesis gee what's the X Men oh Professor, Professor Xavier, Xavier. Yeah, yeah Professor Xavier, Xavier. yeah yeah that's, you made that comparison before I said <laughs> with a little more hair and minus this wheelchair hopefully <laughs> but uh, yeah I mean that that would be the dream that would be the dream that you'd have kids. All from eight through eighteen. In fact, you might have kids from college who come back and spend their summers as instructors, and they're actually doing your own research. And you could just do all kind of amazing things. Well, it all starts with you getting the point system finished. Right, well, that's right. <laughs> but and then we just have to figure out how to make the phase transition from twelve kids one night a week in the second floor of a church room that we're renting to having our own office space and having multiple instructors. How do we make that shift? Now, I think we can make it once we have, um, once we kind of have our formula down, 
at yeah. least for like the first six months of how you do this thing. And we come up with a plan. And then I, you know, I have, we get on the website and kind of really get this material out there, get photos of what, what it looks like, have example code from all the kids are doing so people can see and really get what it's about. Then it'll be easy to just, to have, pass this around and at least get people in Pasadena excited about it. And, and then once the we've got it established in Pasadena, well, then, then we well, could then, franchise it around yeah. the world. Well, I, you know, I don't know if we franchise it or what we do, but I think what we can do is once we have enough kids, then we can either get money from people signing up so they pre-sign up, and then we ha- we can get enough money down. That or we can, I would be willing to put my own money down, knowing that the money is going to come in in the next month or two, that we can rent some real office space mm-hmm. or real classroom space. What do you yeah, want to call? Sounds it. Sounds exciting. But we're going to make that phase transition from twelve kids in a room to, you know, hundreds of kids. Yeah, that all from the entire San Gabriel Valley. People come from all over LA driving for catalyst sessions. Awesome. That'd be pretty. And then of course you go put it all on the web, and then it's it's kind of global too. Mm-hmm. Just like. Harvard and MIT have their real on-campus, you know, degree programs, but then they have, you can take online courses. So we're going to be Harvard for eight-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, a lot of our kids, I was thinking about that on the way over, a lot of our kids come from one of the big private schools around here called Poly. And Poly is kind of like, it's right next to Caltech. I mean, literally across the street from Caltech. And it was started by a lot of Caltech professors and stuff. So, and it's kind of like the MIT or Caltech of L.A., and so we get a lot of kids out of there. But so the word's already starting to get around. People keep coming up to me. So what's this thing you guys are doing? And that's like once we kind of like promote a little more and say this is what we're trying to do, I think all those people oh, there are going to be ready and excited about it. So Yeah. But I, the only thing I would say, I was messing around with that, that, uh, that not exactly C stuff to getting the computer stuff to work, yeah. getting the Mindstorm stuff to work. It was funny because I was living, we we're in the living room and it's like each of the girls were on the tablets. One went to the iPad. One was on the, uh, the Galaxy tablet playing some kind of learning educational game or whatever. My wife was with one of, one of them. I think that my, you know, their grandmother was with the other one. Colby's building his supercar. I'm sitting here and lap, the, with the laptop in my hand and like in the, in the Mindstorm and, and the various sensors and stuff sitting on the, uh, on the little table, little end table. And I'm like, this is one nerdy <laughs> evening <laughs> like this, everybody's all decked out that, that, that you reminded me of a present that uh, my uh, sister-in-law bought me it was a t-shirt and it's just got in big black letters trust me i'm a geek <laughs> <laughs> i think That's that would have gone down my other favorite was like like stay back i know regular expressions <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i like that okay so let me look at my list of things i mean before i start um uh we've got I- like half an hour left all right, that's it. All right, all right, all right, all right. So let me make sure there was things I wanted to revisit, but um, I'm gonna I'm gonna just take. Um, let's see here. Actually, we did cover a fair amount of this stuff already. Um, so we saw The Hobbit last night. <laughs> Something <laughs> non technical. Okay. Any good? It was good. Although it was funny. So I went my with. Uh, Sandy's dad and Colby. Actually, all the girls, so Sandy's mom, Sandy and, and my daughters went and saw Monsters, Inc. in 3D. Yeah. And Colby and uh, her dad and I went and saw The Hobbit. And it was funny. I mean, it was pretty, it was sca- kind of scary-ish in parts. Yeah. And it was incredibly violent. And I was kind of thinking like, yikes, because Colby's eight, right? But Colby's completely unfazed. I was like, are you scared? He's like, no, bye. It was cool. It's completely, it was kind of funny. I mean, some kids are sensitive. Some kids are not. He's on the not very sensitive side. Yeah, I could have. I could have predicted not, that. 
he's not, uh, you know, he's seen Lord of the Rings. He's seen Avatar years ago. So it's like, wasn't a big deal. But it's like, I was just thinking like, if I was eight and I was a pretty resilient, tough kid, but that would have been a lot. You know, it's pretty violent. But I guess for him, and I think a lot of kids, it just sort of becomes, it falls in this category of not the kind of violence that scares you. It's, it's like just game car- It's cartoon violence. Yeah, game violence. Because yeah. he's always, bl- you know, he's, he's always wanting to play these violent, you know, at least they're like army games or jet, you know, firing rocket games or whatever. And Sandy's always trying to fight against it. But it's just like this, it's this force you can't. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's, out it's there. like he just wants to, you know, blow stuff up or whatever. But anyway, the movie was good. Yeah, really good. <laughs> so Ma- Martin Freeman, um, that's the guy, right? The main guy, the little Hobbit guy. Okay, Ma- mm-hmm. Martin Freeman. He started in the Office. Well, that was one of his. What the oh, way really? he came to fame, the Office in the UK, and then he did. He branched out. He did Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. He was off a dent. Yeah. And All right. Yeah. He's quite. He's a. He's a good. Like. He's a good actor. He's. He's carved a niche for himself in that way. Now, he was good. A Hobbit. He was yeah. a good uh, Bilbo Baggins. Yeah. He's no. He's. He's the classic. He is the classic Bilbo Baggins. You can just imagine it. Yeah. So you know, we went over to um, uh, the uh, Bellagio before that because Sandy's dad um, does. Um, he does the trains there. So you know how like when you walk into some of these big high-end um, casino hotels like Bellagio, they'll have some um, big visual thing going on there. Oh, yeah. In the lobby. I think the Bellagio is known for, for doing these just incredibly extravagant um, I don't know, scenes or whatever. So he does the uh, trains for them every year at Christmas. Yeah. And uh, so we went over to look at the train system that he built for, for them. What does that mean, trains? Well, you know those model trains? So he had oh, the model yeah. trains that are pretty like the full size. Like, each train car is like, like a foot long yeah let's say or more foot and a half and and you know maybe six inches wide that's cool so what he builds the whole mo- well, he has a train. T- he's a crew of guys huh well he's retired you know he was an airline pilot um for united for a number of years and he was a um um he's an inventor he has a bunch of patents and stuff but he's also uh model trains are kind of his hobby and so we went over there and saw that and we saw the uh, the light show you know the water and light show oh, remember, yeah, remember yeah. at the end of uh, oceans 11 yeah, no, I've seen that myself. I've seen that. We we stayed in Bellagio last time we went to Las Las Vegas. Well, last time I went with uh, Georgie, but not when uh, we were there for Microconf. Right. No, we were. We were but we were, yeah, uh, I saw that. That's cool. That's yeah, cool. So that was pretty cool. That was another one of our things. So, um, nice. you know, I was I was thinking about uh, his. You know, we're, you know, my last show was Confessions of an Overcommitter, mm-hmm. talking about how I do a lot of things, probably a lot of people, which actually got a good much. response. I thought that it? from the comments, I thought they had a good response. Yeah, I don't know if people said much about it one way or the well, other. Well, they did. They said they, they, I think the general sense was, you know, it was, it was nice that you'd said that. Yeah. So, I mean, the thing is just know thyself, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, whatever you are, just do it, but do it, you know, you kind of got to work with the material, you know, yeah. kind of who you are and figure out a way to, to do things or engage with the world that causes the least friction with who you are, but that you can also maximize your impact. Mm-hmm. And not only in terms of like, say, how much you know money you can make or how much fun you can have or how much good you can do or how many people you can help but you just you know can do do well yeah and i was kind of thinking you know cuz i got that email from the uh the the famous scientist the kid of the yeah yeah and i was thinking you know I have a lot of crazy interactions with people like that, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, and and I think the reason is is from doing all this stuff. You yeah, know, it's I the lux surface area thing, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, like you know, it's all it's all like that's because of Catalyst. 
Mm-hmm. Me, you know, going and giving a talk up up in San Francisco, but that was because of Catalyst. There's a lot of stuff that's happened because of the show. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that happened from my soccer team. There's a lot of stuff we have in any. It's like doing stuff, just do crazy matters. shit. Well, it's 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 like it's not just dabbling because people don't really care about dabbling, and people don't care just just because you read a book on something and you think it's kind of neat. That doesn't really get other people interested in talking to you a whole lot about it. I mean, it's interesting to talk to a friend about it, or you're at a party and someone happens to have read the similar book and you have a nice conversation or whatever. And it's not to just do like a weekend project, but to actually like pursue something for real. For well, last a while. show you'd you'd quoted your math teacher who said just do stuff, do stuff. But yeah, and it doesn't mean just tinker. I mean, tinkering's better than just watching TV or just sleeping or just being <laughs> passive. But you know, getting on a project and, and sticking on it for a while. And I don't mean you have to stick on it for twenty years, but I mean you know. Give it a good hard go, and um, interesting things can, ha- can happen. Well, perhaps that's a slogan that we want to say for this new year to everyone listening: is, is just do stuff. You know, just like if you've been on the fence about doing something, you've had some idea, and you've been thinking, should I do it? Should I do it? Should I commit the time? Do it. Commit the time. Go for it. Give it a go. Yeah, hey, because it actually feels better to just get it out. I mean, do you know how this feeling is? Like yeah. sometimes you, you call it, and you call it you know, the madness. Once you start to get the madness starts welling up inside you, you just have to release. You have to have some kind of release. You got to create. And I almost think for myself, and that's why I have to do a lot of things, is because of not, I, I get frustrated because my mind's constantly going back to this idea. If I actually get something going, it's satisfied a little bit. And so for me, I think this year is going to be the year that I'm actually going to launch a few different kinds of things, smaller things, bigger things. I mean, I, I have a lot of creative energy built up and I'm, I have a lot of good ideas. Catalyst being one of those. They want to do the new secret project that I've been talking about. Hopefully get any foo to the next level. But I'm just like, and, and I've noticed that the more, by doing more of these things, things that I really care about, the more energy I have. I'm more energized. I'm, I'm making more progress on these things. I made a ton of progress on a couple of these things over the weekend because I was so fired up and excited about them mm-hmm. because I didn't feel boxed in. I was like, I could just do this. Mm. You know, I, I just, I, I was more productive. I'm like, okay. So I got like, you know, like we go skiing. Okay. I'm back from sneaking skiing. I got two hours before I get this other th- stuff or before I got to do some Uber stuff. And I would just, just crank on it for two hours. Cause I was so excited. Mm. And I think that's one thing you have to keep in mind is that when you allow yourself to, to sort of pursue these projects, to just do it. It, even though you're expending energy, it's like you get more energy. You get more energized. <laughs> you get more excited. You wake up the next day and you're like, you can't wait to do something. But it's also, along with the whole luck surface area concept, it's like the more you do in combination with telling, with, with either talking to people about it or broadcasting it whatever way, the better chance that it can lead to something really interesting. Your life becomes that much more interesting. You meet and interact with very interesting people. You just have life-enriching experiences. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, when, when my soccer team. I mean, all of the experience I have, this, I have that, and I could go on and on about that, but it's like, you know, all this, I have these stories and all these kinds of things that most people haven't had anything like that. And you could probably look back in, your, in the time that you started your band, you did all that stuff. I mean, what if you, all you did was just go to a job every day during that period of time? Your life would not be nearly as interesting. You would not have the stories, the experiences, or any of that. Right. But... The other, the flip side to that is, um, basically, all that time that you're doing that other stuff, you're not actually earning cash. So the flip side is, is from a, from maybe a wife's perspective, 
you know, oh, you could be earning a lot more right now, but you, your, your time is like pretty thin on actual earning time. You've got a lot of time that you're investing into potential earnings. But mm-hmm. uh, so that, that I'm just saying that's the flip side. No, that's not, a good point. I'm not trying to down your. No, I well, Hey, I've been, as, as I've talked about, I've been making a cash. You've been run, making a cash run, run as well. For yeah. the last year and dug ourselves out of debt and getting ourselves in good financial situation. I'm going to continue to do that through the next year mm-hmm. or two really. Cause like all these kinds of things can work. You know, some of these longer term things can work out, but if they don't, I want things to be fine. Do you think there's going to be a day when like so, one of these things just catches on fire and then that's going to take your focus. And then that's just going to be the main thing that you focus on. Or do you think that you're always going to, even if something catches on fire, you're always going to be able to distribute your processing power across all of them. Yeah. I, 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 ideally that's what I want. I don't want to do just one thing. I just, I just don't, I, I got to be, be involved more in one project. What would you do if one of them did take off? If something did really catch fire? I would have other people, I would hire people to, to do parts, some parts of it. Right. It's just like, I mean, it was kind of interesting. I mean, you know, because you'll talk to people about this. I know this. I know this is kind of rehashing a little bit what we talked about last week, but I think it's worth discussing a little more. Is people have a template in their mind about how you succeed in life, what works, and one of the more common ways that people succeed is they they dig in on one thing and they become completely obsessed, completely myopic about it, and they just push and push and push until it succeeds. And so people assume like, well, you have to do that. The only way to succeed is is just to grind on something like that. But I think there are other there are counter examples to that. There are people who've done more than one thing and have been successful. Yeah, we've I've read stories of, and I have counter examples, but I don't think it's worth going through them. And um, you know, and so the, the example right now for us is you either a you have this one side project, so you try to minimize consulting work, or your part, or you, you you use all your free time, you work on this one thing, you push and push and push, and then you make it successful, and then you you know maybe you go on it full time, you do something else, and that's probably for most people the highest probability way of, of doing something <laughs> or the other one if the non-bootstrap route which is you go you get a buddy you come with an idea you pitch it to yc or one of their accelerators you go and you and you follow that route and you just become completely obsessed with that one thing and that's another way of doing it well what would you recommend to people well what way do you think is the best to people who listen to the show I'd, i would recommend anything i think people have to look at themselves and and do whatever they feel is the right for them because everybody's different everybody's got different tools skills, abilities, um, and, and personality traits that are allow them to do things in different ways. So what actually broke it open a little bit for me was, or maybe reinforced it, was when I was, when I was talking with uh, um, Rob Walling, and he was talking about the success of Hittail, but he wasn't like, well, I'm just going to just spend all day thinking about Hittail. Mm-hmm. At some point, there's only so much you can do on it. Right, it's just going to grow at a certain rate. You're going to do marketing, you do development, but it's like, but he's like, I got this other idea, and, and he's going to do this other thing. But he's going to get that built up, and he'll probably have a product manager just like he has for Hittail, or have that guy do both, or whatever. And I'm like, that's a completely legitimate way of doing things. It's absolutely legitimate. And I'm like, why can't I do that? I'm like, actually, I can do that. Mm-hmm. You can. Yeah. I mean, certain projects aren't made for that. Certain projects are too big or too complicated. Certain people don't have. Maybe the money or the skills or the whatever it is to make it happen. But if if you you can find ways to make that happen, I guess it's the I, I'm probably said this last time, but um, the reason why Rob's so good at that is because he's great at outsourcing. 
He really understands that. So that's something you're going to have to get really good at. Yeah. Well, so what I would want, what I would probably do is, is, is replicate, um, replicate what he did, which is I would find a person who was maybe a, I would call it a failed entrepreneur, but somebody who's tried some small stuff, maybe hasn't quite getting stuff out of the park, which is most people. There's a huge, it's very few have hit out of the park to the point that I don't, I'm, I'm financially independent and I'm working on my own thing. Most people have kind of, I, I launched this thing, it kind of worked, it kind of did, and I've tried some stuff, you know, and, but a lot of people are very competent people. They have learned a lot of valuable things. And, but they're also kind of a little burnout because when you try something like that, and if it doesn't really work, it takes a psychological toll. You need to take a break sometimes and be like, okay, I just want that my effort, when I, when I spend 10 or 20 hours on something, I'm actually like paid. <laughs> I get some money out but, of it. But something. Rob has a lot under his belt to attract someone like that. I mean, from, from your perspective. No, I, I, I think, I, no, I, I think what you're going to say, which is that I can't do that. No, no, I'm not saying you can't do it. Difficult doing I'm it. not saying, I'm, I'm just saying like, would you, how would you be able to offer the same uh, mentorship? That I got a phone call. I had a phone call on, I got an email followed up by an hour long phone call by exactly that kind of person. Awesome. And I said, you know, I don't, and, and I said, Hey, uh, let's just talk about this as a hypothetical. Yeah. Would you be willing? I said, I don't know if you've listened to our interview that we had with Rob Walling about hit tail and drip, but I mean, would you be interested in spending 10, 15, 20 hours a week on a product kind of as a product manager where we just, we're just paid and knowing that in six months to a year, year and a half, you might wear very off and go do your own thing. But do that sort of thing. And he's like, yeah, that would be awesome. He's like, in fact, when I was listening to the interview, I was thinking, I wish I could find a position like that. Really? That's great. And, I know exactly who you're talking about, actually. That, that's good. Yeah. I think and, and that that's, could work out nicely. And that's just one thing. I mean, especially with, with the audience, I think we have a lot of people who listen to the show who would probably be very competent product managers. They could write some code. They could do some product development. They could do some marketing stuff. They could um, do customer support. They could do all, they could essentially run it like it's their own startup. You pay them, mm-hmm. you know, however many hours a week, and then it, you could, as it grow, as it grew, it's it's revenue. You could say, okay, I'm on, I'm up, and rather than spending twenty hours, have you? There's spend certain components hours. that that we, I mean, although neither of us have really hit it out of the park, there's there's certain components that we're pretty good at, and we're getting we're getting better and better all the time, you know. So I think that it could definitely be beneficial to people. So I I would I what I want to do is pursue the um, I think I want to pursue the Rob Walling approach mm-hmm. i think rather than partnering up with tons of people i'm just going to fly solo and then i'm going to build stuff up get it basically working and then say rather than say well i got to partner with somebody it's like i'll just pay somebody mm-hmm. that's a good them. idea and if they don't do a good job we don't have to just do it anymore if they don't want to do it just find someone else yeah. um you know whatever and as you're working with them you get procedures in place and documentation <laughs> and procedures so that they're learning the job. You're documenting it. In fact, just like we did that time with uh, Anyfu about recruiting experts. Mm-hmm. So once you've got that document once, you find the next person and then like, now we've got a, a document. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, you know, I think that we're capable of launching a lot of stuff and doing the hard part of getting the product vision, the brand, the tech, basic technology, the basic marketing, the infrastructure all in place. Mm-hmm. And to the point where you can start automating it and it starts growing where it doesn't take, I mean, it just doesn't take 50 hours a week of thinking about it to make it work. Mm. It just requires people doing certain processes to kind of grow it. 
just like Rob has done with Hit Tail and just like he's going to probably do with Drip. And I, I think, I think we do the same thing with any foe. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we could essentially hire somebody like Rob Walling had hired, you know, and you pay them X amount of dollars <laughs> a week or a month to do these skills. And, and it's not like they have to, they have to do everything. It's like, okay, well, I know you're not a designer, so, but you'll be working with the designer too. You're the CEO of this product. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, you know, I like I'm, it. Are, are, you know, or you're the. I wish they were the CEO, but you're the. You're the. You're the president. I'm the CEO. You're the president. I'm gonna. We're gonna communicate with you. Or I'm gonna. We're gonna go over the vision. What the design's gonna look like. Stuff. Or I can you just go run it. You build up. We'll talk. You know, once every few days or a month or a week or however, however, whatever it needs to be. And that way, you could do more than one thing. I like. I it. mean, that's like catalyst. Like, would I want to teach all these classes? No. Would I want to maybe teach one a week for fun? Yeah. But, but it's I, going to be impossible to teach all those classes, so yeah. you, you absolutely have to. It's not even possible. It. Yeah. yeah, it's not even possible. But you could clearly build it up and and get and get the policies, the procedures in place, and get the people who want to teach the classes. I mean, I, it's just this is possible. These things are possible. And and the and the way the world works, what what we have available in terms of technology to 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 that we can the tools that we have to leverage the way we can bring people in and work with people in all kind of distributed, decoupled ways. A lot more is possible than I think people realize, or even we realize. It's sort of like, going back to that idea that I had a long time ago, like the the collective, like you're creating a company like the collective, Mm -hmm. and you're managing, you've got lots of little tentacles in managing lots of different people, and each one's taking a little section, like the way the Borg work. Mm -hmm. So that's your overall strategy. Yeah, I mean... And you're the master, you're the master brain, you've got the hive mind. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 that's kind of what I want to do because I want to be able, I, I want to be able to direct the vision of these things. Okay. I don't want to just like, well, I'm passive, I'm not doing anything. It's like, no, I'm gonna direct the vision and I have you carry out the the work, right? So, yeah. you know, I don't know, and whatever. And in, in how how we do it with any food, it's like, you know, we direct it together and we have someone doing the day to day stuff. But sure, I don't know. That would be extremely rewarding because then I could do lots of different things that are sour, sort of unrelated, but the things, all the things that I want to do. All right, we'll put a cap on it by saying. Jason wants to start his own idea lab. <laughs> right. Okay. So um, let me see if there's anything. Do you have anything you wanted to, you wanted to bring up? Um, maybe a little bit about Plugio. That yes. now I have, you know, I've brought Plugio back. So I started thinking about it a bit more and taking on board. I, I don't know. I, I'm rethinking the paid acquisition approach. Okay. So I have been, what I've done is I created a spreadsheet, a Google Doc spreadsheet called Marketing Tests. And I have purchased small amount, small amount of ads in a number of different places. So basically, pay-per-view and pay-per-click and cost per action. Mm-hmm. I'm running uh, a lot of different tests. And this is something that I've, I, I know that I should have been doing. And I've always known I should have been doing it. But it's just, up until now, it just seems so painfully boring that I've just not actually done it. But I've decided, come on, you know, I should do it because this is what, this is what Rob Walling does. This is what, you know, Ruben does from Bitscape. This is what they do. The, the people who, who move from five grand to 10 grand to 15 grand to 20 grand, they suck it up and they do this boring stuff. And in fact, some, you know, sometimes they, they don't find it boring. And so hopefully I will be able to get to a point where I don't find it boring. Mm-hmm. But right now it's, it's tolerable. I've got like 10 different tests running. One of them looks interesting. And if my calculations are correct, I could actually scale this thing up to increase Plugio's revenue to 10 grand. But it's very early days, and I don't want to get into the detail of what that test is. In fact, I don't think I would ever say what that what that method was. But it's been eye-opening for me to think about things in this way. And another thing is that 
um, I've had for like six months, maybe six to eight months, I've had a kind of uh, a tracking coming in, storing stuff in the database. So if someone lands on, for example, the Twitter stats email page and they sign up and become a user, I track that. I'm like, okay, they found me through the Twitter stats email page, mm-hmm. you know, or they found me through the email course, learning how to grow your following page, something like that. So I've been tracking that, but I've never really analyzed that data properly. Mm-hmm. And looking at the breakdown of that data, seeing how many, what the conversion ratio is for people coming in through those different paths is really interesting. Like, I'm not going to say what the paths are, but if some people come in through one path, it's like a 4.5% conversion ratio to paid users. Mm-hmm. But if people come in through another path, it's like a 15% conversion ratio to paid users. That's like, holy crap. That's like pretty serious, that's right? Substanti- 300%. You know, like, so people coming through that path. Two, so, no, yeah, 200%. That's 200% improvement. Yeah. I, I don't know. So, so then I'm thinking, huh. So if that path, I promote the hell out of that path in the right way, that's going to make, you know, obviously it's going to be a huge implication. So these are the kind of data analysis side that I, I haven't wanted to do before because it's been too boring, but now I'm just going to suck it up and I'm going to do it. And it's, it could be interesting. So that's going to be my next phase of Plugio. You know, it's kind of, it actually segues into a couple of things I wanted to talk about too, which is, so we talked a little bit about this in the last show and you were saying, well, 20% of the work is product development, 80% is marketing or something like that. Yeah. And I had a follow up post. Somebody had, you know, mentioned something about word of mouth marketing being kind of a myth or whatever. And, um, and so I, one thing I want, let me start by saying this. I think that, um, the reason the marketing seems like a much bigger amount of work to you is because you aren't as good at it or as experienced at it as you are as a developer. Right. You know, you, I like, you, it, I'm like a, an A plus developer, but like a B minus. Well, I, a as, C I, minus. as I said, as I said in the blog, I mean, a comment, I just made this up, but I said, you're like a third or fourth degree black belt developer. Right. You're like a yellow belt marketer. No, that's a good way. Of I mean, it, it, it just yeah. turns out the raw hours that you spent at not, not worrying about marketing, not talking about the show, but I mean, actually experiment marketing, it, experimenting, thinking is, is a fraction, a very tiny minuscule fraction compared to the number of hours that you've take, you've developed much less, even to the amount of hours it took you to point to where you were a professional level developer. So therefore, when you look at marketing, it's this big unknown and it's frustrating, it's confusing, and, and, and you just don't have a lot of tools. Whereas when you first came into building this kind of stuff, someone says, hey, build this full application, you would have the same thought. Like, I, I have no idea. There's all these pieces to it. It's just going to be huge. Whereas now you look at it and you're like, ah, I could build that, whatever. That's a month of work or whatever, <laughs> right? Well, I totally agree, but it's just... Once again, the marketing term is a bit annoying because it means two things. There's on-site marketing and there's off-site marketing. Inbound and outbound. So, kind of it, yeah, inbound, yeah. so basically, if you look at what's what I've done with Plugio, I've built the product mm-hmm. and I've just had this consistent traffic of maybe 100 people coming to the site every yeah. day. And I have optimized the hell out of the site to, to do great conversion ratios off only 100 people. And all the revenue I've got is off that amount of people. So I've got drip campaigns. I've got good drip campaigns. I've got great case studies. I've got great sales funnels. I've got all this stuff. But what I've never been able to do successfully is have off-site marketing bring a big flow of traffic of people on-site. How do you get so, 100 to 10,000 people? Right. So I've done good marketing on-site, but I've done bad marketing off-site. And that's the phase that I'm now at in the evolution of my understanding of building the plug business. Right. And so if you were, if you had spent thousands of hours 
doing marketing and building, learning how to drive traffic and right. build traffic and build a brand, you'd be like, and, and I was talking, I was like, well, Justin, so how do we get up to X thousands of people coming to show today? Be like, ah, you just do this, 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 this. Right, right. It's hard to say which will work, but you do this. If this doesn't work, you try this. You'd have all your tools there. You'd have all your <laughs> tricks in place. Just like you cut and paste code for, for your system, for your, for, your new, for your new web app or whatever. You'd say, how do I build a login system? You're like, ah, dude, it's easy. Just cut and paste this, do this, it's done. But it, it, feel, it feels like filling out tax forms. I mean, it's so boring. Like, you, you know, it's like testing and tweaking and, oh, I buy this ad here or I slightly change the wording there and I see how many extra people clicked. And it's like, it's just boring. But I guess you just have to learn to love it. You just have to learn to do it. And, and that actually leads to my next. I ha, it's actually a blog post I want to write. I, I, my, my list of 20 blog posts I want to write that I have not written is, and I got the title for it, it's called Enter the Full Stack Entrepreneur. Right. Okay. Okay. That is, do you know, people talk about the importance of the full stack developer? Yeah. How powerful full stack developer is? Mm -hmm. That is. But when you get a full stack entrepreneur, somebody who can come up with a brand, a product vision, who can do, uh, who can design a UI, who understands UX, can build it, can build the front end, can build the back end, knows how to get the basic marketing work, can do all that stuff. I mean, that's powerful. That's dangerous. And that's, I think, what a lot of people on our show are trying to do. That's what you and I aspire to be is, is I mean, we are full stack entrepreneurs, but it's kind of, we're, we're weaker on certain things and stronger than other things. But it's getting to the point where you are, you are, you are really strong at all. I just things. want to punch you right now because you've come up with another great term, full stack entrepreneur. And I just, it's, I know it's as good as luck surface area. <laughs> and I just want to, I just want to punch you. <laughs> <laughs> you suck. You know, <laughs> okay, I, good one. That's good. That's thanks. good. Well, actually, well, thanks. I, you know, actually, I came up with it uh, talking to the unnamed person I said who on the phone call who I said could be like Rob Walling's product manager. Yeah. I said, blah, blah, blah. It's like a, what you need is a full stack entrepreneur. And I'm like, you know what? That's a blog post. You know, you, you have another kind of luck service area. You just talk so much that you're bound to come up with some good <laughs> concepts and terms. Spray and pray. <laughs> yeah. No, I like that. Full stack entrepreneur. And, I, and I, like, I think that we are approaching that. I certainly think that I'm approaching that. I'm just missing this other piece, this offsite marketing piece. Once I got that, then I think everything else hopefully will be in the bag. For, yeah, for what's been done so far. I came up with a good analogy for it. I was, I think of a good analogy. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll try it out. So, because um, we were driving across the desert like we were today, if you're driving back from Vegas, you have all kinds of these thoughts going through your head, crazy thoughts. So I was like, you know, it's like, you know, when you were, we were talking about like marketing is 80%, product development is 20%. It's like, if, you know when you play like these strategy military games like Command and Conquer, mm -hmm. so you have like ground forces, you have like an air force, you have, you know, and you have like a navy, whatever. It's like, if you don't have an air force, and then you could go and you go against, and you don't really have much anti-aircraft stuff, and an air force, and, and the other your opponent builds this huge air force, you get crushed, and you're just like, man, I tell you, it's all about having air power, right? Yeah. Well, it's not all about having air power. It's because you had no strategy against it, and, yeah. and then and then you build this big air force, and then they come across with these heavy armor divisions, and you didn't really fortify against heavy armor attack, and you're just getting killed, and you play three or four games, and they totally destroy you with our, our military and you're like oh it's all about anti-military and aircraft and then the navy comes through and the guy kills you from the water and you're like okay you gotta be well-rounded you gotta bring all these pieces together and you've and, got a hedge with your skill sets you got, yeah you gotta know that they're all important they can all be important pieces and depending on your particular product or company and niche they might have different values right but and, and, and one of the things that, we, that is big on Hacker News and we've talked a lot about is the importance of marketing. And the reason we talk about that so much is because we're primarily talking to technical people 
who, who are building stuff and then either and don't know much about marketing or don't really want to do it. And they're hoping there's some way they can just build it and not do that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Right? And people are saying, and so that's why saying marketing, word of mouth is a myth or that's not going to work because chances are it's not because most products aren't interesting or special or useful enough for word of marketing to, to, to be enough. Mm-hmm. But that's not necessarily true in all cases because some in some cases it is enough. For instance, in Catalyst class, I was just talking to CJ. They spent all three hundred dollars in marketing. <laughs> right. They had okay. like eight hundred applicants. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's because they built something that was incredibly compelling. They sent. They they done a blog post or two. A lot Hacker of people News. Want it. They, they they did a blog post. A Hacker News kind of a couple of Hacker News you know tell Hacker News kind of things. It read uh, read it things probably tweeted about it. Boom, because people want it. Right. But it's also perfect product market fit. I sure. mean, there, there is a product market fit because everyone who's reading Hacker News who who has something to learn is going to be interested in something like that. And right? it, who's at that level where they really want to get into it. And, and I bet it's also wasn't the kind of thing where they had to go out and do lots of A-B testing and lean market. They just knew this would work. Right. They said, this is what we want to do. And they just had a vision for it. And they just went out and it worked. And some people might call that luck, but it could be also just intuition. Like they, they, they intuited a, mar- a product. Same thing with Uber. And I've talked about this last time. Uber did not do any marketing. No. Ever. And they, I didn't, mean, really, they didn't really looked. do, did they do big A-B testing? I mean, they just, no. they just built what, no. the vision. No. You, you built the vision, right? Well, I, I built part of it. But you yeah, I mean, they, there was no A-B testing. There was no focus groups. There was no surveys. There was no pivoting. It was just, this is what we're going to do. And I just built it and, you know, tweaked little things here and there about, mostly about just making it work well. Well, you see, so and the, but those are those are you know a, cl- a class of product. But he's product. a full stack developer. He's a full stack entrepreneur. No, not Travis. Uh, well, he's he's good at uh, product vision. He had a good product vision. Yeah, yeah he so had he had the product vision, vision, vision right down. Yeah, and he's right. good at he's good at, I guess, yeah. building something that doesn't need marketing. <laughs> so here's the other here's the other article on read. Statistics is not destiny. <laughs> right. Okay. And here's the here's the essential point, is that and I've made this point before but i think i think it's worth repeating is that if i if i say if 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 there's a group of people in a room and there's tw- you know 10 or 20 people and i said what's the probability that one of those people can dunk a basketball right now you would be like zero or what's the probability that any one of those guys and let's say you know they're young guys they're in high school and say one of those guys is going to division one scholarship playing basketball you could probably bet me everything you own and be pretty confident that you're going to get that money back Right. If I said if I said a thousand of them, you'd probably be pretty confident you could bend some pretty good money. Mm-hmm. But if a guy walked in the room and he was six foot eight and he looked like a great athlete, and he just and and and, and you saw him jump and he had this forty inch <laughs> vertical, you'd be like, yeah, I'm not going to bet against him. <laughs> right. Like that guy looks at so if that guy looks at himself and goes, and and he goes, should I should I really focus on trying to get a scholarship division on basketball? We we look at each other and go like, yeah, yeah, you should. Mm-hmm. And maybe even pro. I mean, you got. Looking at the person, they have the ability, skills, talent, whatever it is. Right. So what's the point here? The point is that you, you, statistics is not destiny. It's that just because things are low probability for uh, a whole population of people doesn't mean it's low probability for you. You may have a certain set of skills or abilities or connections or knowledge or whatever to make it work. Right to make that thing to work. make well, single founders don't work. You got to have two people, or you know, it, whatever it is, whatever the whatever the rule of thumb is. You got to pivot fifteen times. You got to do lots of surveys. Well, I mean, maybe about average that works better. But the, but did you know? Or you or you hear this? Even on the, I, I saw something the other day was talking about lean startup canvas. Like, what's your unassailable advantage? 
what unassailable advantage did Travis had starting Uber? Nothing. What did the unassailable advantage for the guys who started um, uh, who started Airbnb? Is it unsa- uns- unassailable or unfair advantage? Unfair, whatever. Unfair advantage. Okay, sure. Unfair advantage. Unfa- you know, uh, you know, the competitive advantage. No, nothing. What the guys who started Airbnb? They had an advantage. There were three jokers making like uh, um, they were designers. They were a couple designers. They were pretty good design. You can hire a designer. They didn't have a competitive advantage. They just had an idea and they just made it work and they tried stuff. Well, you, for example, do have an unfair advantage because you have a listenership of 2,000 people to start <laughs> off with. And that is, even though it's a small one, it's kind of an unfair advantage over someone else who doesn't have that. I don't know. I mean, that's, it's not like we have, it's not like you're 37 signals and you got like 150,000 readers. Well, that, but that's right? a classic example of an unfair advantage. That's what they mean with that question. Yeah, but we didn't have an unfair advantage two years ago. Right. You know, right, we no, stress up. I mean, you know, we, we started in uh, 2000 is hardly anything. I'm, I'm, I, you might get 30 to 50 people actually come and try. I mean, how right. many people have tried out Plugio from the podcast? I, I guess probably not too many, but a, a, yeah. a number. You could do more. I could do. I mean, how many people did I get? You know, how many people I signed up for the App Ignite beta from the How I Screwed Up My Google Acquisition <laughs> blog post? I, I know you had a couple best. of thousand people. Two thousand, twenty-two hundred people signed up for it. Yeah, and that was one blog post. You come up with one. Those poor clever- people hoping to get that product. <laughs> yeah, I know. It made me sad. <laughs> it's not. It's not dead yet. It's just on. Uh, it's on. It's on. Uh, it's just frozen. Well, maybe you could find a failed entrepreneur who could like continue that for you. Maybe so. Um, Not a failed start. Yeah. An entrepreneur who 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 needs a safe harbor, who needs yeah, who a little needs- income, wants to work remotely. <laughs> hey, by the way, if you're one of these people where you're like, hey, you, you don't really have an idea, but you got these skills and you kind of want to be like a product manager um, for something. Do contact us because contact. we're both now, I think we're both looking for those kind of yeah, people right now. <laughs> I think I think that's the kind of thing we both want to, uh, that's a strategy you want to explore. Uh, there was a great, uh, just that's like the next step of, of why we're talking. What you one last thing I want to say uh, okay, about this. Can I think about this? Statistics is not destiny. Okay. So the issue is that you say, okay, what is it that we're t- we're saying that it's incredibly low probability that if you do X, you'll succeed, whatever it is. So let's say ninety five percent of single founder startups fail. I'm just making that up, mm-hmm. right? Or and, and and just like we said uh, with the dunking of basketball, right? Because that we can, the reason I keep using that is visual. You see a guy who's six foot seven and you're like, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> he's not, he's something different about that person. Um, so the thing is though, when you're doing, using the statistics, you're usually looking at one single factor. You're throwing away all the rest of the information. <laughs> this guy who's six foot seven can look at himself and says, I have a lot more information about myself than is being encapsulated in this, in this statistic, which is just that I'm a person trying to do X. They don't know they have a 40 inch vertical and that I'm six foot seven. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and you might say, well, but people aren't good estimators of their own capabilities because people are rational. Everybody thinks that they're better or smarter or cooler or funnier than they are. See, exhibit A being American Idol. I was just about <laughs> to say that American Idol. <laughs> but those are examples. Those are you people, I think, are, are pretty good estimators of where they are. I think they just like to show all the worst, the most clueless people because it's funny. But the reality is that it's much better to take somebody who has complete information about themselves or nearly complete information about themselves and has a subjective and inaccurate but ballpark estimator of their skills and abilities versus a statistic which measures one thing and has virtually no information about that person. Right. So neither of them are the best because probably the best 
is like me judging you. I like I've worked with you for a couple of years. I kind of know the things that you can do, the things you're really good at. So I would probably be pretty good. And then you would have a, another opinion of looking at yourself and then the statistics would have another opinion of looking at you. Kind that's of interesting, you know, and that's, that's an interesting too, because a lot of times it just really depends on the context. So like, like there, there are guys, like, let's say I take one of the guys that was at Uber, who's just writing code, really sharp coder. And, and they could say, well, what do you think his chances are of being a founder for some startup? I have no idea. No, I've only seen him in that context. Yeah. You know, well, what about them being a leader or a boss or a manager? Like they could be fantastic. I just, they've never yeah, done it. They, they, I just don't know. And, and that's why it's hard to say like what people are capable or are not capable of. Sometimes. You kind of know, need to know them pretty well. You, you really don't know until you've seen them try it. And then you get a ballpark. And, and, and sometimes it just might have been like a bad first shot. They need a little more, a little more time, a little more experience, a little more skills, and they'd be fantastic. And that's why it's like really hard to judge what people are truly capable of. Because people are, can be capable of quite a bit. I think the thing, the thing with us is. You and me both have this this same thing. We can be pretty good at anything as long as we actually want to. <laughs> it's really about wanting to do it's it. It's just wanting to do it in the first place, <laughs> right? And that's that's a key component. Is and I think a lot of people are it. like that. Like you know, they, 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 like a lot of the the multi talented people are just. Do they actually give a crap about that thing? That's that's an important starting point. Is like, do people want to do it? Do they care? I was thinking about that the other day. I don't know if I talked about this in the show, but um, I was thinking about Colby getting up at six in the morning. He gets up first thing in the morning and he immediately starts building these advanced technic Lego things. Yeah. I mean, he can build these incredibly elaborate, independent suspension, differential, crazy mechanical things with Legos, with Technics. He spent thousands of hours already at the age of eight <laughs> building these things. He's watched hundreds hundreds of videos on youtube about building those advanced things he's i mean i can't so you can't make a kid if you took some kid and say well listen kid i want you to be a great engineer i know you have a generally good ability to this i want you to work on your leg build these advanced legos come on sit down with me and we'll build some advanced lego stuff today there's no way that kid can p- compete with colby not a chance Right. He, he, Kobe will grind you into the ground because he's going to put in four hours in one day out of pure passion and a burning desire to fill out the more, next advanced design, whatever. And your kid is sitting there going, okay, dad, can we be done now? Because I want to go do something Which else. Which is why Kobe probably wouldn't be as good. Like you yeah, might really player. want him to be a great soccer player, but he doesn't have the same level of passion no. as he does for building Legos. There are kids running around the, the country or running around Europe or South America and they're, they're playing soccer five hours a day and they watch the professional games on, on all day and they're playing soccer with their dad or with their brothers or sisters and they're, and they're just, that's what they're, and those kids are, even if Colby, if you'd say, well, Colby's faster and stronger than that kid, I mean, that kid's just going to leave Colby behind by the time they're 13, 14. There's not going to be, the kids are going to be so far advanced because they just have that internal passion. You can't compete. I think as a parent, I mean, just in these, just as an aside, mm-hmm. I think I'd feel safer the direction that Colby's taking. Like, oh, yeah. I'd, I'd be thinking, that's actually good for his career. Because, like, if, if, we're, if he's going to be a professional soccer player, that's kind of, pe- there's a lot of potential pain there, right? Well, there's a very few number, <laughs> there's very few spots. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, it's, and, even, and that follows the power law in terms of, like, all, the stars get paid a lot. Yeah, you know, but the 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 lower end people don't necessarily get paid near as much, and the careers are very short. Mm-hmm. And then you don't really have skills that. What are you going to do? And then you have to be a soccer coach. Mm-hmm. And unless you're a coach of professional team, you're not making a lot. It's a struggle. And I mean, the people who do it usually because they they love soccer and they can just do it. But being an engineer or coder, I mean, there's a huge demand for that. Oh, I wanted to tell you something. I found a really interesting fact about George's grandfather. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just actually showed you a picture of him right there. Yes. Now, 84, he's 84. He was telling me over Christmas, of Christmas dinner that 
He built. He he's he's been a, a machinist for. Gee, what's the name of the company? Is it Aerospace? I think it's Air, Aerojet, right? Aerojet. And a, a machinist for for Aerojet for like 35, 40 years. Wow. He built the elbows in the fuel system on the moon lander. Really? In 1969. Wow. Yeah, he machined those things. That's cool. Right? And he machined the bolts that, uh, you know, the bolts that go on the top of the, the shuttle? The, yes. Uh, basically, the bolts that you can blow the top off, and they have to be machined in such a way that the, the bolts break in exactly the right place. Huh, okay. He machined those, those bolts as well. Wow. Like, How cool is that? To like machine stuff that like makes history, you know, that actually ends up on the moon. Like the first... The first thing on the moon, you know. Does he have? Does he still have like a machine show? Does he still do stuff, or is he completely retired? And well, he 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 does stuff, but it's for it's for Georgie now. He and for the family, like he's he does some carpentry, you know. So okay. he he built a really nice doll's house for her um, play therapy. Does he have like a machine shop? Does he have like a lathe and drill press and all those he, kinds of things? He he do, he does have that. Because um, Sandy's dad has that. He has all those yeah. lathes and drill presses and all this like machine like tool and die maker would have, mm-hmm. which to build. All, the, all this kind of stuff. So he has his entire garage is filled with all the laser cutters and glass cutters, all that kind of stuff too. He was telling me you 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 couldn't believe how many levels of inspection this little elbow fuel thing went through. Oh, I bet. Like it, you know, kind of ten inspectors, each individually inspecting it and and weighing it and looking at it in all sorts of different angles and stress tests and all these different things. But yeah, I thought that's kind of cool. Yeah, that is cool. That's cool. So what do we got? We got anything else you want to cover? Well, we didn't uh, do any topics today, did we? No, we, show? we didn't. I, I didn't do a very good job of slowing down my talking, though, did I? Well, that's because we got a little bit excited about stuff at the end. <sighs> you then. get me all excited, and I can't I can't slow down. I, I don't really know if there's a solution. Let's see. Um, let me see if there's any uh, topics I wanted to cover. One sec. Yeah, I don't really have anything that's like critical that I wanted to talk about. That's fine. All right. Well, maybe it's time to say Happy New Year to everyone. Would you you like do it. To, you did. I've done enough talking. Uh, on behalf of us at Texting, we would like to wish everyone a happy new year. This is going to be a fantastic 2013. And we wish that you could fulfill all your goals. And we hope that we will. And uh, that's it. All right. Well said. That's a wrap. We're out. Happy new year!